Good morning and welcome to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas. Here for another episode on June 7th, 2023. It is here in Charlotte, North Carolina um, at around like 10 a.m. I'm doing the podcast and we'll be going over this past weekend's fights for UFC as well as previewing and breaking down this weekend's main event at UFC 288, 289, 289. So we're breaking down UFC 289, the whole card prelims. I'll pick a couple and then main main card in its entirety. Obviously, going over the main event, Amanda Nunes defending her title against Irene Aldana in the women's bantamweight division. And then we have a stacked lightweight matchup of Charles Oliveira between Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush. Possible number one contender spot if Benil wins for sure. Um, but then we also have the Dustin and Gaethje fight. So... They'll probably also be in contention. It'll kind of be hard to sell Islam and Charles too. I guess you could. I mean, I I would still watch it. But he just fought for the title. Benil and Islam were set to fight before. So it's a real fight set for, you know, Benil to win. But we'll get into the details and I'll break down and who I think has a better chance, right? But before we do all that, make sure to check out and subscribe to the YouTube, drop a like, comment, uh, press the notification bell if you want to, um, but more subscriptions, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, I'll drop more, uh, videos throughout like once a week. Usually this past couple weeks, I took a break, obviously, uh, Memorial day. I guess we haven't talked since the Charlotte card. I didn't really break down this past weekend's card or the weekend before because we don't really need them right those cards are very it's because the UFC has too many fighters on the roster in my opinion why we get these two not to say that they're bad cards but they're very extra like I would have been fine with UFC Charlotte taking two weeks off from fight watching fights and then UFC 289 and then kind of let other organizations take the reins and put out whatever cards they wanted to like this past weekend KSW a promotion in Poland put out I guess it's there it was called Coliseum 2 which means uh there was probably Coliseum 1 and they sold out a crowd of 50,000 people you know, for those fighters up and coming, UFC is not the only option. KSW sold out a crowd of, let me say that again, 50,000 people. I mean, the the pictures are bananas. You look at it. One guy came out in a car. Like old school WWE style. Came out in a car. I don't know if they still come out in cars or if they ever did. But the idea is they have the production they have, if you want to get crazy and have a car drive you up to the ring, you can have that. You know, it's almost like boxing in a sense. The only issue is, and this is where I think why 
it doesn't get as much. It's like a double-edged sword, right? Why it doesn't get as much traction as the UFC does here. One, UFC is global. And two, one and two, KSW is based out of Poland. So people in the United States, unless you're into the MMA world, aren't really going to know about it. And then three, this was Coliseum number two, right? So unlike the UFC, they don't put on as many fight cards. And so MMA being a sport of what have you done for me lately, when you don't put out, you know, KSW Coliseum one, probably the same thing, 30,000 to 40,000 people. And then you take, let me look, you probably take enough time. Let's see when the first one was. So Coliseum, and more of the reason why I'm talking about this, I'm sure people have seen it, and I'll probably pull it up. Um, guy won by bottom, full mount, knocked the guy out. Okay, so there are, I guess it's KSW 30, was KSW 39, 2017. So that was the first Coliseum. Attendance, 57,000 people. Let's see what their last event was, though. So you have Coliseum 2, which is what? KSW 83. Let's go KSW 82. It doesn't say location. So this one probably was like online. They even have an attendance. Let's see. Yeah, that was just tell. I don't know if that means they have they have it in like a. This was in a. This was in an arena. 81 was in an arena. It doesn't give me the attendance, though. I don't know why it's not giving me the attendance. Let me see this. KSW 81. Sports Hall. I mean, obviously, it's probably not 57,000 people every fight, right? Uh, yeah. It's probably not 50, it's not probably not 57,000 people every time. But like I said, there's more than just UFC as an option for fighters. You have all these other promotions, and sometimes these promotions put on big cards. But a lot of these guys, Georgia, Poland, Brazil, Germany. No Americans on the card. Oh, actually, Kendall, Kendall Grove, headline one. But he's already a known name. So it's probably not the easiest route to get to. Let's see one of their regular cards, if they even have one American. No, they didn't even have one American on just like a regular card. I don't even think on the last card they did. 
<clears throat> it's not easy to get in there, but if you can find a way, if you're an American fighter, I'd recommend it. I mean, clearly they're they're doing something right, and there's a big audience for them there. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You're a prize fighter. Be a prize fighter. Sometimes. Obviously, if you think and you believe in your heart of hearts that you're going to be a UFC champion, please follow that goal. But if you don't and you just want to fight, or if you currently are a professional fighter and you're looking to just continue fighting for money, try to find your way to KSW. It's clearly paying its own bills because it if they clear that many in attendance, that means people are paying for things related to it and are willing to probably pay pay-per-view. They probably don't charge as much either. All right, enough of this KSW rant. Let's get into some MMA, MMA news, weekly news. If anything, let's break down a little bit of what happened this past weekend in the fights. Let us see. Okay. So, this past weekend, we had Kai Car France def- uh ooh. Almost said it. Kaikar France versus Amir Albazi um, in a controversial fight as far as who won. Personally, I was watching the fight. It was 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was like the last minute of the fight. Last five round, like the last minute of the fifth round. And in my heart of hearts, I was like, I said that twice today already. I've already, I've, I thought Kai did enough. I was like, okay, time to call it a night. I turned off ESPN, went to bed, woke up the next morning. I saw a thumbnail of Kai doing an interview and I was like, oh yeah, Kai won the fight. It wasn't until I started reading MMA news that I saw Izzy tweets da 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 about the Kai fight, and I go, and I look at the tweets, and saw that he got robbed, and I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy that they scored it for Amir. Now I know it's a close fight. This one kind of leans a little bit more towards robbery for me, because I know. There was a moment where Amir had really good control and almost had the rear naked choke. And you can score that round for him. But everything else was looking Kai Car France. And he's a champ. He took it. You know, we all know who won the fight. And that's a... Mentally, that's a way to look at it. Personally, that's how I would be. If I just was in the cage with another guy for 30 minutes fighting and we scrapped it out, if there's two people that know the outcome of a fight, it's going to be the two people in the in the conflict, right? And I'm not saying like looking at it from the outside of, oh, but, you know, he was getting hit more. Da, da, da. No, I mean, based off of just like feel like they were both in there. They were the ones engaging in the in the combat, and the two people are going to feel, I mean, probably the next day, 
what like the outcome or in that moment. You know, you know, you feel like you did more. That's why fighters get upset. They feel like they did more. And sometimes, you know, it can be... It can be wrong. But more often than not, like, in this situation, we know. Like, everyone knows. And Kai, and that's what I'm trying to get to, is Kai said, we... We know who, like, we know. There's a little bit of an act that you have to do that even though you lost a fight, you have to act like you still won the fight. Because you want the judges up until the moment that they hand in their scorecards to make it seem like you won. Um, I think they, they'll probably pull up the... There'll probably be an article about the scorecards. But I just... My my gripe with this, and I'm gonna I'll give you a little bit of the behind the scenes of why you, this may happen a bit, even at the highest level. I don't understand why judges don't come out and just validate their choice, right? If you're an MMA judge, and like I said, I'll give a behind the scenes and tell you what they. When I, I took the judging course and I'll tell you what they told me for boxing and for MMA in the state of North Carolina, but they have representatives from other, like, uh, um, uh, referee Kevin McDonald. He's the one that did, he's the one that did, uh, the ref, the refereeing and judging course for MMA in North Carolina one year when I did it. And he was great. But as far as he went over judging criteria, it was more in the boxing realm. The boxing judging where they explained it. Everyone was doing it's like a everyone was there for boxing and MMA, so pretty much they just kind of kept the same theme for the weekend. And this is probably the reason why, but I think it's I think it's BS. And I think if you are a MMA judge, you should be confident in your ability to judge, right? So if anyone comes to you and says, I think your judging was wrong, then you should be able to, without any hesitancy and without hiding behind the judging scorecard and then going away and then coming back every weekend without having to answer for your judging, if you start getting any controversy online, as a judge, you should be able to pick and shoot and not pick and shoot, but justify everything that you judged. Why I gave him round number one. This is why. According to Damon's dominance, damage, and duration, the three Ds that determine the fight of, or the winner of a fight, right? In that order, damage, duration, dominance, right? Through those three criteria, I should be able to explain to you why I chose this person to win. But in MMA judging and in boxing judging, they tell you at least when I took the MMA judging course, and I don't care if they hear this, whatever, because I'm an MMA coach, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. To me, more than being a judge or a referee, even though I think we should have more fighters and coaches or whoever as judges and referees, to me, it's a lot of political BS. Hands down, the people that judge in North Carolina, the people that referee in North Carolina, don't know squat about the sport. They're there to hang out with their friends, and they're there to just get free cookies at the 
Doubletree and that they stay at? No one really knows. They asked us to score Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. Um, I think, I think the first fight. They asked us to judge one round of it, and everybody except for maybe three people, two people, including me, one of them also having some experience in jujitsu or fighting or something. Basically, the two of us are the only ones with cauliflower in the room. Everyone else got it wrong. So these are the same people that they still... And then, so let me preface this as well. I passed the course. Your name gets put onto a list of people that are uh, certified referees and judging for boxing and, M- and MMA in the state of North Carolina. You get put on the list. But it's up to the promoter to hire you. So if you don't shake the right hands and meet the right people and get into the right groups... You won't get put in as a judge or a referee for a promotion to gain experience and then be able to go into the bigger stages. And the way that you play ball is if you are, if you do end up judging a competition, to not say anything. They tell you to not go on Facebook. They tell you not to go on Instagram. They tell you to not go and try to talk and justify or talk to journalists. They tell you not to do that. They tell you. It's crazy to me that this sport, there should be no re- Everyone else has the ability to talk and the ability to, you know, articulate why they thought this person won or break things down. Coaching, journalists, fighters themselves, everyone in the, in the space of MMA, even doctors at this point, have an ability to explain... Why, and even promote, I mean, promoters, they have an ability to explain and, and voice their opinion on why someone wins. But when it comes to refereeing and, or even referees too, sorry, even referees as well. But when it comes to judging, they're not forced because they, they can do it. No one's stopping them. All that would stop them is the fear of being blacklisted for being able to join their cool group of people that judge fights. It's ridiculous. It's a, it's a, it's just like a, a good boys club. Like whoever is following the rules and doing exactly what the commission wants you to do, you're going to get in there. It's not about, it's not about your knowledge or experience. It's because these people cannot explain why these people won. They can't. So they'd rather hide behind their scorecards and just go, this is the way and move on with their day and then go to the next one. And no one is held accountable. And they tell you not to be able to be accountable. They promote not being accountable. So I, I do agree. These people should be fired. If you if you mess up on a card like this, you should be fired. Or removed. Find something. I was watching Fight Film for... Um, Troy, he's got a fight coming up for A1-170 in July. It's dropping down. Uh, I was watching film on his opponent, and it was an LFA card. And they had Chris Lieben, I think, judging. 
I mean, we just got one. Get more of them in there. You know, Frank Trigg, Frank Trigg is now refing. Perfect. This is the change that you got to see. And I'm not saying it has to be former professional fighters all the time. Like, same thing with commentary. Like, it doesn't have to be that every time. But at least these are people that are knowledgeable of the sport and actually have a have a passion for it. Not they go to a weekend every every year to renew their license to go hang out with their friends and shake hands with people that they see every so often in order to keep this scheme they got going. All right. So that's the way I look at it. Uh, also, there's a little peek behind the ca- behind the scenes of why judges don't hold themselves accountable. They get told not to. Straight up told not to. It's embarrassing. Like I, I'm, I wanted to be a, I want to be, because I'll plan on going back to it to go and renew my license and stuff like that. North Carolina, they had a weird thing. I think during COVID where they shut the boxing commission down and they didn't just, they haven't, um, they like rebuilt it or whatever, reinstated it. Oh, here's another thing. This is exactly. So the year before they shut it down, right? You know, part of, I, I I go to the thing, I get certified even before getting certified, putting in my, putting in the desire to want to be a part of it and they, you know, they send you emails to let you know that the date's coming up, pay your thing. Da, 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 da. So as soon as it's done, so it's done. I'm in, I'm in the system as referee, judge, whatever. Now, could be because systems get, you know, they turn them off and they move things over to another division or whatever in the government. I don't know. But they reopened it up. So now there's MMA fights back in North Carolina and 2023 was the start of that again. I get no information. I get no emails. I'm in the system. I'm a ref as a I'm a ref and judge for boxing and MMA. I mean, was for that year. But as far as like trying to re up on the cert, they don't they don't give you any information. They didn't let me know that they were doing the courses again. You know, it's it's a frustrating thing because as a coach and then being friends with fighters. And then just being around, you know, promotions. At the end of the day, it's and frustrating on the point of like I've seen promoters be friends with people, um, that judge or part of the commission, or promoters that the commission just wants to be friends with. So then they'll give the edge to their fighter. It, it's a. It's a real, real seedy part of the of this, right? Everyone sees the UFC. They see the big promotions. But the seediness in all of this is when it comes to, like, the amateur and the pro-level scene before the UFC or before the feeder organizations. So promotions that are, like, you know, they get, like, three promotions and then they go bankrupt kind of places. Or the ones that you hear about, you hear about people fighting in parking lots and all that. Those kinds of places, schools, whatever. Man, if you're not A-side, you better put that other person out. Because otherwise, 
I mean, it's almost as blatant as Emmett Muay Thai, where if you're not dominating the fight as the as the B side, you're gonna lose. And it could be a it could be a well of reasons, right? It could be the promoter is also a coach is also a is also a gym on the card. It could be that the promoter likes that gym more. You know, there's all these like different reasons why a fighter is A side and the other fighter is B side. Maybe they're a local talent and they're trying to like, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Obviously, that happens even at the highest level. But the egregious judging, like the Kai Car France Amir Abazi, is kind of that. Like they're trying to push Amir so he wins over Kai to push him to the next title. So that way it's not just Kai versus Brandon Moreno 3. So there's a little bit of a production side of it. But the egregiousness at the lower levels is just like, oh, we don't even care because you're an amateur. You don't get even paid for this. So uh, that guy wins. Thanks, this coach, for coming by. It's great to see you. And so it starts at the local level. I mean, even I mean, it's government. So it starts at the local level. And if the local level is dog water, then the rest of it's going to be. So even when they come to Charlotte, like, thank God, Allah, Buddha, whoever, that it ended, like most of those fights, ended in like the first, second round. Like they were knockouts, finishes, whatever. Because the one fights that they got as far as decisions were bad. I mean, you had points deducted. It was a mess. So people didn't really get to see North Carolina's judging on that night. But there are certain states, Texas, that when fighters go, it's like, oh man, I have to knock my opponent out or choke them out because the judging here, I know, they're the same kind of people. They don't want to learn. They want to hide behind the anonymity of a scorecard. And then they don't. They know that they don't have to justify why they chose. So they're just there for front row seats to a fight. Judging needs to change. Judging needs to change. But we all know this. We all know this, right? So let's get into some news real quick. Uh, that's my little rant for the day. MMA judging. I might clip that and do a little breakdown of it. Whoa, those are prosthetic arms now? Holy shit. Dude, that looks like a hand. And then those fingertips. I'm sure those fingertips are like... Like not... Maybe they... Maybe they have... Nah, there's no way they like have them hooked up to nerves fingertips must be something maybe it's just like the gripping of the fingertips so when you grab stuff it gives you that's cool yeah man how technology is changing the future of prosthetics change the future of prosthetics soon enough there won't even be those it'll just be like here's your new arm they'll sh they'll do like the i forget what it's from but they'll like you'll like stab yourself with something and then your arm will grow back like stem cells at the highest level oh okay oh okay mma junkie i like this ufc veterans in mma action diego brandao bigfoot silva 
former Charlotte fighter Impa Kinsong and I. Marlon. Marlon Marais. Chris Wade, PFL. Yep, yep, yep. I think he. I think. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, he's been fighting really good co- competition like Bubba Jenkins. He's been having good fights in PFL. I don't know who this is. Dan Spohn? Unanimous decision of Dick. Daquan Townsend, Ohio Combat. Okay. Unanimous lost to Pat Walsh at the Ultimate Fighter season. Maybe he was an ulti- Ultimate Fighter person. Song Ben Joe. See, I know they. I know they fought in the UFC, so they're considered USC veteran. But this, he had one fight in the UFC. Not really a veteran, you know. Especially when you have like Bigfoot Silva, Diego Brandao up there. But these guys didn't like lose bad. Yenip's decision lost to Daniel Tamer. Like, it wasn't like a knockout. Yeah, record since UFC exit 11 and 4 for this Dan Spone. Like, he's had his own career. He's had 15 fights. He's like less a UFC fighter and more just a person that fights in other organizations. Tyler Diamond. One, uh, yeah, one something. Exit three and one. He lost to Bryce Mitchell. It's PFL guy. Lost to uh, Brendan. Brendan. I forget this guy's name, but he's good. Brandon MMA. Brendan MMA. Mullen Marais. PFL. He lost to this guy. See? He's ready. Loss, loss. Jesus Pinedo. This guy. Oh, this guy's. (laughs) He's a former UFC fighter. Okay. This guy's just. This Brandon Lohan guy is just taking UFC. Just beating all the former UFC fighters. Oh, he was a UFC fighter, too. Back in 2012. Yeah, his record since exiting the UFC is 21-3. and This guy's not even a UFC fighter. He had one fight in the UFC. He had one fight in 31 fights. He had one. Out of 30... So 30 of his fights weren't even in the UFC. And he's a former UFC fighter. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. He makes way more money in the PFL. This guy's made millions of dollars in the PFL. Oh my god. This guy's a PFL fighter. <laughs> this makes a little bit more sense. He's 2-2 two two in the UFC. That's four fights in the UFC. UFC. UFC vet. Andrew Sanchez. UFC vet. 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Former dorm mate of mine and TriStar for a little bit when I was there. Nice guy. Uh, Bruno Santa. Okay. You know, three fights. Cody Fister. What a great name. One and three. Uh, Yeah, I guess. Four and three as well. Diego Brandao. Ten fights in the UFC. 
Oof. That is not a oof. That's a that's a bummer record right there. Twenty-seven and twenty. Oof. Seven and nine. Oh, he got a TKO win in his last fight. Bummer record. Yeah, he's a uh, he's not. Yeah, look at this. This is bad. Oh and four in MMA. Oh and one in kickboxing. Oh and one in boxing. And oh and one in bare knuckle boxing. He's not won a fight in a while. Well, that was a cool little rundown memory lane. Thanks, MMA junkie. Oh, here are the scorecards. Let's look at it. So, I think it was round three. You definitely could score for round three, I think, is where Amir had the had the rear naked choke. So, round three, unanimously, yeah, for Amir. So, Mike Bell is probably the only person that had it right. Ten... Yeah, and then 10. This is what I would think. This is what I was thinking the fight was. 10, 9, 9, 10, 10. Whatever. I thought I was going to wake up the next morning to all this. But Chris Lee, notoriously, the biggest issue I have is this one. He scored a round clearly for Kai as not as for Amir. And then Sal, I mean, come on, man. I can understand it being kind of close, but. How is she even, how is she still fighting? Or how is she still judging? I don't know how she's still, how is she still judging? That's crazy to me. I I mean, she got in trouble. She got in big trouble, and she's still judging. And what's frustrating is like Dana White has no control over it. He's got no control. He can he can. I think he can request, but he can't choose who judges. You have to go with what the commission says. It's bananas to me. All right, let me see if I can find that knockout from. Yo, this man with the worst takes ever. How's this guy a comment? Like, I don't understand how this guy does commentating or does a show. I don't get it. I don't understand how people like enjoy this. His takes are so fucking outlandish. It's crazy. It's weird that at times I look forward to Amanda Nunes. I'm going to talk. I'm going to say his quotes. It's like as much as I have a feeling that, yeah, it's a clickbaity title for sure. But I definitely think I definitely think that it kind of is the bad take. I think it is. I definitely think even though it's a clickbaity title whatever he's going to follow all this up with is probably as bad as we all think it is. It's weird at times. Quote from Anthony Smith. It's weird at times. I look forward to Amanda Nunes' retirement. 
Smith asked, unquote, Smith asked Monday on the MMA hour, quote, it's a very sentimental, it's a very weird sentiment I have. Sometimes when I see her in these fights, weeks in these interviews, and she's dragged her whole family there, and then she gets in and she fights, sometimes I almost feel bad for her. Like, just go enjoy your life and just have fun. Like, stop doing all this shit because a lot of times she doesn't seem to always enjoy it that much, unquote. What are you talking about? She doesn't seem to enjoy it? My man. To her, it's an easy paycheck. It's not that she doesn't enjoy it. It's just that no one gives her a good fight. Yeah, she didn't enjoy it, the one with uh, Juliana Pena, the first one. She had an injury. That sucks. But then she came back. She went South Pole. And that's all she did. She just went South Pole. And got an easy dub. Made it, showed everyone that was like, you you thought. No, I really, hey everyone, I was really injured. She feels better. You watch the countdowns. She looks great. She sounds great. She goes to Brazil. She hangs out with her family. She, yeah, probably the weight cutting sucks. She probably doesn't like cutting weight. You know, training isn't always the most fun thing in the world. But when she won that title back, it wasn't like she got the belt back and was like, oh, I guess it's just another day in the office. Bro, she's happy. She's happy being the best in the world. I mean, what? I mean, not that she's doesn't like not that she needs another job like i'm sure she's financially fine i'm sure she does all the financially you know uh, she does all the right financial moves outside of the octagon too but what do you mean she's still evolving she created her own gym she's she's going a different way like i think it's not that i don't it's not that i want to see her retire why would you want to see her retire i feel like she enjoys it Yeah. She fights like once a year? I mean, this is just... This is just like a really bad take. I I don't get it. I don't understand how someone can have a a breakdown show or whatever, an MMA show with Michael Bisping and constantly put out bad takes and never get better. Like, and they don't get better. They don't get better at the commentary. They don't get better at anything. They just constantly put out shitty takes. And then when they explain it, it's like, it ends up being for a selfish reason. reason. I want to see her be happy. Okay, so you want her to live in a world where you think... you. That would make you happy. So it's a world where you're happy because she's doing what you want her to do because that in turn makes you happy. But you don't really want to address what makes her happy. Maybe fighting makes her happy. Because when I see her win two belts, she looks ecstatic. So what a shitty take. And he continues to put it out. Israel likes the idea of big fight with Hamza but has bigger fish to fry. Obviously, he wants a big fight with Hamza because Hamza's got a good following. However, hasn't fought anyone at 185, so can't even 
Dude, I think the fight for him is hoping that Drickus Duplessis beats Robert Whitaker, which I hope Rob out techniques Drickus easy. But if he doesn't, just like that great meme I saw, shitty fighter on crazy win streak and it shows Drickus and then technically really good fighter on like on a losing streak, Petter Yawn. Like it's that that's what I hope doesn't happen is that Rob loses the fight, even though this guy's technique is playoff. Um But it's like, yeah, I'd love to see the Shimai uh, the Hamzat fight. But the problem is, is like that's not how you're gonna beat it, Izzy. You need someone kinda like a Drickus Duplessis who's gonna strike with him and try to catch him. But you don't want someone who's just gonna shoot takedowns, because that's I mean of course you are. But that's what Izzy's like his whole getting into the UFC was just like takedown defense, takedown defense, takedown defense, takedown defense. Even to this day, it's takedown defense, takedown defense. You know. All right, we can talk a little bit about Tough, and then I'm going to get into breaking down these fights. Um, Tough's been fun. I mean, look at that. 50,000 people. Look at this. Look at this Coliseum. Gosh, Narn. Look at that. I don't want to see that. Look, look at this. It comes out in a car, singing. Ice cream or fake cake in a truck. Look at this scene. Ne UFC never, never would. Um, so things about tough, my, my breakdowns of tough that I've got, a that I'll say, so tough, uh, is a perfect example of like production in the UFC and why you can't let people bully you or why it's not good to not care when you do things like this. Michael Chandler is being set up constantly on the show. Obviously, Conor McGregor is the UFC. He has he has ownership in it. Michael Chandler details when they when they were in that little like that little scene where Conor's like, "You'll do what you're told." Like you'll like that moment. He was talking about how the production team said, "Just go into that gym. We'll get started in a second. And he goes, okay. So he walks in the gym. No one's there. Ten minutes later, Connor shows up. And then for 30 minutes, they have to sit there and wait for the production team. If you're Michael Chandler, you tell them, no, I'm not going to go in there until Connor's here. Or two, until we start. Why am I just going to stand around there? I'm just going to hang out here. Or until they're like rushing you in there. Don't just Don't just go do what they say. And then two, Connor walks in in a suit and comes in in a Ferrari. You know he's coming in a suit, right? You know he's going to show up with a suit. So why do you show up like a bum? Dress up. You're a coach. Dress like a coach. Even if Connor doesn't come in a suit, 
dress up. Don't let Connor dictate this thing so that way it all ends to that soundbite of him saying, you'll do what you're told. It's better to just... In those situations, it's better to... Um, ask for forgiveness rather than for permission. I'm going to hang out here. You guys let me know until when you guys want this. To, uh, you guys let me know when Connor's here and when I can get this started. If anything, I'm going to make Connor wait. And then when I go out there, you know, in the suit and stuff like that, then you're ready. But man, these are the little things as a, if you're a fighter coming up, you got to watch this. You have to watch the details of how they try to move and make situations happen. Give a shit about what you're doing. If you're going to do something, do it right. Don't go out there with with sweats on. You're about to be in a, you're on, you're on TV with Conor McGregor. People are going to watch it. Give a shit. Dress up. Care. I know his, I mean, his fighters are doing well. They're 2 and 0. As far as coaching, that's what I'm saying. It's like coaching's fine. I'm not talking about the coaching. Doing great coaching wise. I'm sure he's a great coach. I'm just saying, as far as like the, and I know it's like, I don't care what the, the, I'm who I am. It's not the point. If you care and you do stuff and you like show up, you will get more opportunities. If you don't let Conor McGregor dictate everything, sponsors are going to come to you. You're going to make more money. She's like, be smart. Obviously, Benil Dariush and Cron Gracie grappled in 2012, but who cares? Let them fight. Um, hey, MMA fighting? We still doing this? We still doing And what's crazy is it's like not just MMA fighting. And it's kind of, I realized, MMA as a as an audience of people, they, they are very old school in the sense of, yeah, give me, give me girls in tight clothing and let's, like all at them and you know it's not just like let's focus on the sport it's like sport and you know let's acknowledge them for being hot chicks it's like let's not not in a not in a way of like let's not acknowledge hot chicks like for sure acknowledge ring girls and girls that are being hot and stuff like that but when we're doing mma journalism it's like i want journalism yeah, i'm not i'm also not trying to get you know, make your own, make its own page of like hot girls from MMA this week. Do an own page of that. But when I'm trying to get morning report or just like a breakdown of something and it's also like, eh, eh, hot chicks. It's like, no, just separate it, my man. Just separate it. Hot chicks, one spot. Thing, other spot, you know? It's a, it's a really bad poster. It's a really bad poster. Okay. If the term robbery is thrown around too much at MMA, which I tend to agree, 
if the term robbery is thrown around too much in MMA, which I tend to agree, right? Because close fights are usually close fights. They're not robberies. Robberies would be like egregious things where it's um, the fight is clearly 3-2 and then the judge scores it 5-0 for the other person. It's more of a robbery because it's like they didn't even watch the fight. Would the robbery be reasonable if we referred only to round four? This was after all the after all the round that changed the outcome of the fight due to the judge's negligence. Yeah, I mean, in that case, I would say if you're just scoring round four, which the which essentially determine the fight, yeah. Somar, right? Somar. Watch this journalism. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Somar, right? Obligatory poster signing video. Okay, it's your own caption. No, 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 no. Female posters. Okay. Somar. Somar. Okay, so you just took his caption and then just put it over there. Great. Glad. Glad. Glad we're glad this is what journalism is. What? Casuals. All right, now time for the fun news. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll fuck every one of them. But is it about like But is it about like slap the slap fighting cuz slap fighting is dog shit. <laughs> what a bad product and it like doesn't hold up like as far as um like uh Oh, here we go. Like, yeah, slap, like, even on the, even on, like, numbers, it doesn't do well. All right, what does he say? I'm not going to watch all this. How can you make those, I think, open scoring? No. Judges just need to be held accountable. I think this is the biggest thing. I don't think open scoring is what you need. I think they just need to be held accountable. No, I don't think open scoring, because open scoring is, I mean, we still do that. We do that to this day. We we voice our opinions on Twitter all the time. So it's not like they don't see it, right? It's not like the judges don't see it at every one season. Then it's like, yeah, they should be held accountable, and open scoring is going to hold them accountable. No, you have to hold them accountable by firing them. That's it. And then hiring someone better. That's how you hold someone accountable. All right, let's break down the fights. Uh, I know this has been a long one, but I've had a lot to talk about. So 51 minutes in. All right, sweet. Um, let's see how long these breakdowns go. So let's go ahead and early prelims, nothing. Um, I don't really have anyone to talk about here. 
Da, da, da. All right, let's start. Blake Builder, Builder, Builder versus Kyle Nelson. I'm interested in this fight solely on the fact that Blake Builder, um, my MMA fighter, Nisaiah, he, uh, he got me onto this dude's coach, Flamin' Hot Mitts, who's very popular in the pound holding community. I, I figured out, and especially in the boxing community, um, he's great. As far as watching him train and working with Flame and Hot Mitts, I'm excited to see him fight and hoping that the stuff that he teaches also translates and looking forward to seeing it translate in the octagon. Um, Flame and Hot Mitts, follow him on Instagram. He's great if you're interested in that kind of stuff. If you're training or want some extra content to look at. Eamon Zahabi versus Aori. I don't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. Kui, Quilling Ori. Um, 24 and 9. So as far as experience, this guy's got more quote-unquote Oh, this is the Mongolian murderer. Weird name, right? He's a Mongolian murderer. Yeah, yeah. Mongolian murderer. So he's a murderer. He's a murderer that's Mongolian. Not a guy that murders mongolians right that would be a murderer of mongolia anyway it's semantics um versus Eamon sahabi uh brother of um mma coach um one of the greatest mma coaches faraz sahabi very very crafty fighter just like faraz is a very crafty coach this is a very interesting fight in the sense of 35 year old versus 29 year old in his prime Plus, he's got a lot of experience, but he doesn't have the same experience Eamon has. And Eamon's kind of been on a resurgence as far as um, decision over Ricky KO. And he fights about once a year. I'd like to know his... I would like to know Eamon's... contract for the UFC. If he only fights once a year and he's a Bantamweight. He's fighting a Bantamweight. Has he always been a Bantamweight? Yeah, I guess he's always been a better Um, So, yeah. All right, and then you have Miranda Maverick versus Jasmine ja Jas Duvicius. Um, I like Jasmine a lot. She was fighting at CFFC when I went with Troy, and she was in our corner. She was the only one in the corner to win all night, so uh, I'm a big fan of her. She lost her last fight, though, um, but she's fun to watch. No, wait, she didn't lose her last fight. She lost against Natalia Silvia. Silva. She won her last fight. Right. And Miranda Maverick, she lost her last fight. No, she won her last fight. No, she won. She won. Aaron Blanchfield, she lost. Okay, so it's been a while. So she's on two-fight win streak. Um, and Jasmine is on a one-fight win streak. Great fight. I think that's a perfect placement for both of them. They're also, talent-wise, kind of in the same same area, but this is this is kind of a not make it or break it, but you know, you got 25, 34. It's gonna be Miranda's grappling versus Jasmine's striking and her footwork. Clench work as well. She does good wall like cage clench work. And then I'm super excited about this fight. Nasardim Imama versus Chris Curtis. Man, you lose to strike uh, Sean Strickland, you got your next fight immediately. Chris Curtis, he's there to fight the last guy that Sean fought. So Nasruddin, hopefully he 
you know, learns from his last mistakes and you know, actually throws this time and plays to a game plan. But, you know, Chris Curtis having Sean Strickland in his corner and in his fight camp, he's going to tell him everything he needs to know about that fight. All right, so then you have Eric Anders versus Mark andre Barrialt. Uh, Barrialt just won his last fight, knocking out Julian Marquez. It was great. Uh, and then Eric Anders, always a fun guy to watch, but um, kind of like back and forth, wins, losses, wins, lo- win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So he just won his last. So, you know, if you're betting, he won his last one. He goes on a win, lose, win, lose, so. And then the return of Nate the Train versus Dan Ige. What a fight. It's going to be Dan Ige's one knock, one punch knockout power and heavy hands versus Nate's pressure. And, uh, man, I like this fight. It's three rounds. So these guys are going to have cardio for both of them. But it's about it's going to be about Nate not getting clipped so hard. But he is there to get hit. So that's why, as far as this fight goes, I think Dan Ige has a little bit of a slight advantage just because Nate's gonna Nate's there to get hit. And Dan is not one of those guys that you want to get hit by. Um Mike Mallet Malote versus Adam Fugit. I like Mike. He yeah, beat Johan in his last fight, and then he knocked out He's got great boxing, great striking, very very technically sound all around as an MMA fighter. And then Adam beat Yosaku Kinoshita. Round one via elbows. Okay. But this is in Canada as well, you know, so Mike's fighting home home soil. I think I think the technicality and already a little bit more experience in the UFC, hometown, A side, Mike, this is a fight for Mike to win. Looking to push to that 10 and 1 record. Alright, so Code Main event. Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. Even though Benil is the older fighter, not by much, by a year. The experience in MMA obviously leans a little bit more to the, towards Charles. So he is technically the older fighter in a sense. Uh he's been fighting in the UFC longer and has had he has more accolades in the UFC. Um, he's also been UFC champion. So Charles is obviously looking to make the next move up to UFC, to UFC gold, back to UFC gold and right the wrongs that he had in his fight with Islam. Whereas Benil is trying to get that long awaited fight with Islam that we've been, that everyone is excited to watch. Benil's jujitsu. Let's start with Benil. His jujitsu is phenomenal. He's fought and competed at the highest level. I'm pretty sure he won worlds. One year as a brown belt, could be wrong. Um, and he obviously trains. He also he obviously trains. Uh, um, no gi, brown belt. Yep, I was right. He won it twice. Um, he obviously trains striking with Rafael Cordero. You know, King's MMA. So his striking is great. He's a southpaw. Likes to throw overhand left, fake it to shoot for a takedown, yada yada, top control. He and Charles both had similar and similar performances against Tony Ferguson. 
and their style is very similar. Obviously, Benil. Benil is a southpaw, but his striking isn't as crisp as Charles. So the way I'm breaking this fight down, and when I look at him, Benil obviously has that grit and toughness that gets him through in those Drakkar close situations, right? He gets hurt, he fires back immediately, and then they can knock him out. I think, though, where he's going to have a lot of trouble with Charles and why this fight is a little bit harder for him is because unlike Islam, who's looking to shoot and gain top control and hold you down and then submit you or finish you through ground and pound, so it's a lot of like shooting, Charles doesn't really shoot. He'll go body lock, take you down that way against the cage, and then if you take him down, now you're playing jiu-jitsu. But Neil can shoot on him and try to hold position, but you're just giving Charles a chance to submit you. It's not like Benil's jiu-jitsu is bad, but even being a world champion jiu-jitsu practitioner, Charles has different level MMA jiu-jitsu. Specifically for jiu-jitsu, Charles is very, very good. His cage work and all that with his jiu-jitsu, it, like, it amplifies his jiu-jitsu. So where I think Charles is going to beat Benil is in those is in the striking exchanges. When they crash and then Charles likes to throw a left hook to clench and throw an uppercut, I think those are those are those moments, right? The inside boxing and the elbows and the teeps and all these things. Benil's X factor is he's awkward. He's an awkward fighter. Being an awkward fighter does help. But he throws wide. And if you watch his film, he's got patterns. So Charles' easiest path to victory, and it also being a three-round fight, is, you know, teeps, jumping, switch, kick, like very... very linear strikes to keep from getting over the top. If I'm Benil, I'm looking for the same thing that Islam did to him. Trying to counter, hook, cross, whatever. Try to catch him and then get on top and make him quit in that sense. And that's that's like where Benil can do the best job. But I don't think... Whereas, like, for example, a Paul Felder fight. Paul Felder got on top and elbowed him. And, I mean, it's different Charles Oliveira. But even Islam, same way. He beat Charles in the striking before he got him down. I don't think Benil's as good in the striking that he's going to be able to do that. I think if he tries to get aggressive in the striking, Charles is going to catch him. But if Benil leans on the awkwardness, then I think he can try to catch Charles and then, you know, take him down and submit him or make him quit in that sense. But I, I think it's going to be very hard for Benil. I think this this matchup's a harder matchup for Benil than Islam is. I think Islam, you know what you're going to get, and Benil's very good at scrambling. Um, When you just have a guy like Mateos Gamrot, like you see how well Benil does against someone like that. Charles doesn't shoot like that. And when you look at the people that he struggled with, 
I mean, they're all like these are all great wins that he has, but none of these guys fight like Charles. Yeah, yeah none of them fight like Charles. The ones he's lost to fight more like Charles. Um, all right, I'm gonna go Charles, but I'm more of a Charles fan than Benil. I don't know the odds, but I wouldn't be surprised if Charles was the favorite. Now, the women's bantamweight div division for the title: Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana. Was supposed to be Juliana Pena for the third time. She gets injured with like a broken rib, and so now we've got Irene fighting for the title. In her place, that was the fight Amanda essentially won. Also, Amanda called this fight. Going back to Anthony Smith's thing, Amanda called for her next fight to be Irene. What do you mean she doesn't like this? She called for a new contender and someone who is stylistically a bad matchup for her. What do you mean she doesn't like Anyway, enough of that. So going back to the fight, um, stylistically on paper, this is kind of a bad matchup for Amanda. You know, you have a girl who's got very good boxing, forward pressure, and when you look at Amanda's last loss to Juliana, despite the fact that her... You know, she had an injury or whatever the case may be. She was beat by forward pressure and boxing. A girl that didn't let you breathe and just kept touching, 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 touching. And it, it put her on the back foot and it made her very uncomfortable. The thing that Juliana has that Irene doesn't have, though, is wrestling. I think Irene's, Irene said it perfectly. She's like, what do you think you have that is going to help you beat Amanda? And Irene says, I'm Mexican. I think that's a perfect... A perfect analogy for her is like, you need that forward pressure. You need to put your hands on her and don't let her breathe because you can get her to quit. Other fighters have made her quit and it's a, you know, you can, you've seen it happen. Also going off of the momentum of Alexa Grasso, she just beat one of the most unde uh, unbeatable women in all of UFC history. And so kind of going off and like building off of that, doing the same thing to Amanda. And if I'm Irene, I'm beating Amanda in this division. And then the rematch I want at 145. However, the things that make me not want to lean towards Irene, even though stylistically, I think she is a bad matchup. I think the things that push me more towards Amanda winning this fight won. I'm from Salvador, so I'm biased. I'm from Bahia. I'm from where Amanda's from. I'm biased. But also, uh, tools. The number of tools that Amanda has. She's got kicking. Irene throws zero kicks. Zero. She throws zero kicks. Amanda throws kicks. She switches stances uh, with her kicks. Um, and in if any fight showed me what the game plan is for this, if Irene starts crashing forward a little bit too hard, she'll take her down. I think Amanda will take her down. If Macy Chasson took her down, if Holly Holm took her down, Amanda's going to take her down. And I think that's what the game plan is. Not saying Irene doesn't have good jujitsu or whatever. I just think Amanda's far superior on the ground. And she has shown that when a striker is out of her realm, she is willing to use MMA. So I think she's got, you know, heavy hands. It'll make Irene. You know, think, but anytime that there's a, you know, anytime that there's a little bit of aggression going forward, I think she's going to take Irene down with different forms of takedowns from knee picks to body locks to different things. So that way she can't just time double legs. Um, I think Amanda wins this fight, 
I don't think it's an easy fight for Amanda, but I think it's either a fight of Amanda with dominance in a certain realm outside of, you know, striking, like where she takes her down and she uses top control as dominance, or she submits her. Um, The only way I see Irene winning is a situation with, like, the Juliana Pena, where she just starts hitting her, and then Amanda breaks, and then she can't, she can't wrestle or whatever or she stuffs her takedowns all of a sudden all of a sudden Irene Adana's like stuffing takedowns but when you look at the three of eight takedowns five of 14 takedowns <coughs> you can take her down and I think Amanda is going to have a good chance of it. One of sixteen, one of six takedowns. <coughs> Zero takedowns would beat her on striking. Okay, but she, but that's what I mean. She like she used takedowns to set it up. But those are my picks for. She's also 35, so it's like as age goes, she's not that much older than, or not that much younger. They're the same age. Um, So my picks, as far as what I think, Amanda, Charles, Mike, Dan Ige, and Marc-Andre Barriot. Oh, so I'm not even going to leave from this side of the list. Um, All A-side, if you ask me. Best card. All right, those are my picks. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um... I would show you the website, but right now, it's actually going to go live today, but we're going to have a whole new website, so please go check that out. Uh, if you're in Charlotte, remember, come check out Southern Scrap Nation. Our team's building. We've got a couple fighters. They're fighting in August now. Three of them. And then we have Troy professionally fighting in July, end of July, for A1. Um, guys, enjoy. Sunscrap Nation. Remember, like, subscribe. Please give a comment, review, whatnot. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, next next week, I've been your host, as always, Daniel Jonas. Peace.